This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the church boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. So it's Billy Hollowell here, your favorite church boy. And there's a lot there's a lot of stuff to talk about today. I don't even know I don't even know where to begin because obviously we haven't been here in a little while. It's been uh, quite some time since you've heard from us. We missed an episode of the show and I'm not going to blame anyone, but um well, I will blame I will blame Chris for once. And actually the the comedy of it is that I usually am the one who misses the shows or who makes us have, you know, some sort of crazy scheduling issue. But here I am today bringing the show back and uh, doing it on my own, apparently, uh, because I didn't want to have us go another week without a show. Now, we've got a lot to talk about. California apparently doesn't believe in religious liberty. We have. Uh, uh, excuse me. Wait. Oh, Chris. Hello. Is that you? Hello. Hello. Is that oh, Billy? Oh, you decided to join us today. Hey. How are you? I had to. I had to jump in because I know we were going to do this for a while, kind of string this up. But I thought, you know what? I can hear iPods across the country clicking off as they listen to <laughs> just Billy speak about or, news. Or you oh, the, day. the viral phenomenon of people <laughs> tuning in because you're gone. <laughs> Record numbers shoot through the roof. We'll go from tens to dozens of listeners. Mm. <laughs> You know. So anyway, so yeah, it's been an interesting uh, couple of you weeks. You can't be blamed, though. You well, can't I, be blamed. Well, I, I can be. Um, and it, it coincides. Here's here's what really. Okay, so it coincides with, and this is not on you at all. It coincides with the fact that you have changed jobs, right? Oh yeah. And so that makes that makes our schedule have Lex <laughs> had over the last couple of weeks as you've gotten used to your new position and I've adapted to life at the Blaze without you around, which is fine. Uh, actually, improved. Uh, <laughs> it decreases our level of flexibility, right? I mean, used to be like, oh, we can't make it. Then, okay, we'll do it here. We'll do it. We'll record this time. And so we weren't able to do any of this. So that flexibility has gone out the window. And then I, over the weekend, the last couple of weekends, have just been slammed with Shinola. Do-gooding. I call it do-gooding. Well, we'll just call it Shinola for now. Um, anyway, so we are back. We are here. We're queer. We're not going skiing. And uh, so speaking <laughs> So speaking of some crazy things that have happened over the last couple of weeks, we got an email this week from Blaze Radio, which is a great email, right? The one, do you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yes. A great yeah. email. Not only do we get to keep doing the show, which, like we were, which we were, which was stupendous. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was tremendous. Great. It was stupendous. I mean, it was bigger than you've ever, it was amazing. It was really, really, it was really, really amazing. Uh, they did a good thing. They did a good thing. And it was not just like, you get to keep the show. We knew we were going to keep the show. It wasn't, that wasn't a question. And it was, it was a question of, 
making sure we could do all the right things to keep everything on the Blaze Radio Network, which we are, and we're happy to be still here. There was never any negotiations. It was this was, this was there was never anything cross that happened. Um, I, no, we just basically said we're going to continue the show. We're, we're still doing <laughs> the show. Along with it. Do you want to still carry it? And they said, well, yeah, well, yeah. Um, which we're hap- we're extremely happy about, of course. And there was again, there was never any. As far as we know, there was never any ill will or anything going on. Um, the more you say that, the more it sounds like there was, and we're trying to cover it up. I know. <laughs> I promise you guys. Some, nobody. Try to start some radio war. Somewhere. No, I will say this. I am excited. Look, the Blaze was home for almost five. It was five and a half yeah, years, yeah. over five years. And I'm excited to keep the relationship open with the Blaze. Yeah. I would not be surprised if I did things here or there with the Blaze. Right. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. In addition to this, I mean, this is a Blaze. This is a podcast that appears in the Blaze Radio Network. Yeah. So I right. am happy to continue that relationship. It's, it's, it's and so, some of my good friends, some of my very best friends, including the idiot I host this with, are still at the Blaze. Yeah, that's right. So, so we're we're having we're having a blast. But anyway, this is a this is uh, I, that is a long way around to say this is a kudos to our listeners. Um, <laughs> the Blaze has contacted us for the first time ever. We've been asked to record a commercial. <laughs> Which one of us is doing? The and commercial? we have. Should we practice? Should we do a practice read here on the air to practice what we're gonna? What the commercial? Is this for your princess guess, portions you know diet what, plan? Is you that? Know, now that I think about, it, maybe we shouldn't because the advertiser yeah. probably wants it a specific way, and we don't want to screw that up. So we won't do that on. <laughs> they there. want it to be done competently. That's the specific <laughs> way they want it. They add to be so recorded. You, so you get an email from the Blaze Radio guys, and it's like. You ever, my wife is famous around our house for having a conversation that she doesn't make you aware she's having the conversation until about halfway through the conversation because she's been having the conversation in her head and then suddenly mid-sentence starts to vocalize the conversation with me and I'll have to turn to her and say, I have no idea what you're talking about because I think you've had this conversation in your head and now you're joining me in and so she'll apologize and she'll laugh. I mean, she knows that she's doing it. So, oh, wait, she never says, like, my wife, well, I told you this. It's like, no, no we get, never talk about that. I get that sometimes, that. No, you too. just don't let them. I told you this. <laughs> Which might be true half the time. Yes. Are you leaving? Wait, is that your wife? Yes. <laughs> Chris's wife appears on the so, show. Come here. Come here. So my wife and kids are taking off for she's recoiling as he's for a road trip my kids are going to nana camp and they've come to the door to announce their departure um i don't know exactly how to handle this come here buddy are you (laughs) chris's whole family is here america are you leaving you're gonna go see nana yeah okay say say hi billy hi billy hey he can't hear me can he no he can't hear you no i can hear him oh you can hear me through here oh there you go how are you good good yeah well I hope you have a good time at Nana yeah. Camp. Is yeah. that what we're calling it, Nana Camp? Nana Camp. Yeah, my wife. Yeah. That is going to be folks. fun. Yeah. So, say I'll see you later. See you later. Okay, give me a kiss. Mm, I love you. Be love good you. for Na- be good for Nana and Papa. Okay. Okay. I'll see you later. <laughs> so cute. This is Izzy. Izzy. Hey, Izzy. That's, how are you? That's Billy. You've heard his voice before. Yeah, I have. Say how so. are you? Hi. <laughs> Hi. You going to Nana Camp too? Yep. Oh, well, have a good time. Okay. So can you can you can you can you say this is Izzy Field and I never listen to the Church Boys? Huh? Say this is Izzy Field and I never listen to the Church Boys. I don't know what that means. I just want you to say it because we're recording this. Oh. I love it. No. Okay. Well, maybe we'll have to record it professionally later. It's right. fine. I, yeah, no, it's no, fine. No. Listen. Okay. All right. I love you. Give me a kiss. 
It is it is fun. total chaos yeah. at the field residence it is, right now. It is nuts around here. Well, well, let me just talk. I actually got to talk with Chris's mother before we started recording. Oh, no, this. She also came on, and we had a, a very, very, I would call it a robust conversation about Chris's inappropriateness. It's totally <laughs> embarrassing. <laughs> oh, she said, she happens to be here because she's watching the baby, and, and she goes, oh, is that Billy? I'm just like, because <laughs> oh, I had to go do some other errands. So, all right. Love you, baby. See you later. Love you a long time. See ya. She won't speak out loud because she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to be recorded. <laughs> She's well, totally embarrassed. I, we've, have we promised the people yet that my wife would come on? Because she said she would. <laughs> you and I discussed it. I don't know if we told people that she's coming well, on or not. I can't remember. Yeah, what she we... wants to come on the show. <laughs> well, I wouldn't I have to say get the censor. I asked her, would you come on? And she said, yeah, I'll come on. I have to get the censor bleep button ready, though, right? Oh, you better. You better. <laughs> Let me tell you. Oh my um, goodness! But so anyway, so that's the kids headed to Nana Camp. So it should be tons of fun. So what were we talking about? Oh, we were well, nothing important. The ad, the ad. That oh we yeah, yeah. So this speaks to our our listeners. We have pushed. We have told not pushed. We have told Blaze Radio team. Hey, listen. Anytime you want us to do ads or run ads on the show, we're happy to do that. And we we have one that we run. Uh, the what's it called the the real estate agents I trust.com or whatever the one, the Glenn thing. Oh yeah. So we run that ad. That's one that Glenn recorded for us to use, but now they've come to us with another client that they actually want us to cut an ad for. And we're like, are you sure that they want our voices attached to their superior product? And apparently, apparently they do. So yeah. So anyway, so oh, mid conversation. So you and I get this email from one of the guys at blaze radio asking us to record, record something, but we have no idea where this came from. Like there's, so you follow the the email train down. And it's like, <clears throat> have you talked to these guys about this yet? Have them do this this script, and suddenly we're getting a script and all these, and it's wonderful. But it's <laughs> it was funny to me. But it's a, which it's one goodness. of us is doing the ad? I don't know. I'm happy they, to they try. Said, they said I, we could. I mean, I'm... they said we could both do it. We should do two different versions and then have people vote. We should do one. We should do. We could do three. We could do one with you recording. We could do one with me recording, and we could do one with the two of us, like alternating paragraphs or something. I mean, you can't belch or open a can of Coke. I, I shan't do that. But anyway, so that's... Can we talk about California? <laughs> Loon, Looney Tunes? Uh, oh, my God. I, I can't. Californ- oh, I've got some... So I've got several friends from California, family in California, actually, who just moved up to Oregon, which is still weird. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I'm not sure if they improved their religious freedom situation. <laughs> um, so, but he's, but, a, he's a left winger. He's my friend who worked for, uh, you know... Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we had him on the show. The you know, yes, we did. We didn't have my cousin on. We had, yeah, right, right. We had the person he worked for. Right. On. Okay, well, let, let's just address something here. California has always been nutty, just like New York is nutty. But it's <laughs> California. It, it, California it seems is, like there's a new level of Cal- nuttiness. California is full of fruits and nuts. That's right. That's, well, to me, the thing the thing about this is, and there are a number of issues going on in the religious freedom front right now. There is the claim that churches have that abortion has been inserted in, not a claim, abortion has been a requirement in insurance right. coverage. Right. So churches are being forced to then include it in their yep. insurance coverage. There have been claims that the um, <clears throat> crisis pregnancy centers have been um, put under very strange regulations right. about needing to post things in their windows about that they're not really clinics, essentially, right. even though some of them are, they just don't provide abortions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I think this is the biggest, and I remember when, when gay marriage became the law of the land, we did a number of stories at the blaze and we all knew this if you read 
the decision and you read um, the counter arguments of that decision, you knew that that gay marriage was not going to be the end of this battle, that there would be religious freedom issues and right. we've seen them unfold and that and that colleges would be the next place where oh, these yeah. things would happen. This seems to be already happening. We have a situation in California where there's a bill that has passed the Senate and it is in the assembly, yep. which it may have a very good chance of passing there too, which then could go to be signed uh, to potentially become law. It's SB 1146, which Ugh. basically, as far as I understand it, and I read through the bill, and you know how when you read legislation, you, you're scratching your head because you're still trying to figure out what it's saying. Right. Um, right. But essentially says that colleges and universities, Christian schools, religious, 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 religious schools, schools whoa, 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 whoa. that time, are time, time, whoa, time out, time out, time out, time out. Your 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 brought your connection to me just went all funky. That was all blah 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 blah. You still there? I'm here. Okay, Can you hear me? Let's start again with your summary of this uh, this this nonsensical bill from the land of fruits and nuts. So. SB 1146 All right. basically says that California colleges and universities, um, they can they, they can claim exemptions. We know this for a long time. If they're a religious school, they could say we don't admit, um, you know, if you come to our school, you have to sign a document saying you won't right. engage in certain sexual behaviors. You, you know, will follow, follow right. biblical truth, basically. You'll right. go to religious classes. You will go to chapel even. Um, now, you as an adult willingly enter a school. So you should know by reading that website what the school stands for before right. you apply there and go there. Apparently, people can't do that, though, because what California is saying in this bill uh, that could become law is that those schools essentially, unless they are training you to go into ministry, yep. that those schools do not have the right to essentially claim for exemptions. Well, they can. They can claim for the exemption, but they have to let everybody know, students who are applying, they have to post signs on their campus letting everybody know why they applied for the exemption, what they believe about gay marriage or whatever the issue is, and that they could then be sued by students if they discriminate against those students. So this essentially opens up a huge can of worms and doesn't allow Christian schools or religious schools to be Christian or religious schools, essentially, well, and it's and it's weird because it's gonna it's gonna impact churches as well, and that's what that's what people need to understand. Even people who are, hey, listen, I'm a Christian guy, I'm Christian, but I believe that gay marriage is okay. If that's for you, that's for you. Just don't make our church do it. Listen, this is what the courts are going to do. They're going to require churches eventually to marry people. They're going to require that to happen, or they they're, lose their tax. Or they're going to lose tax exempt status. They're going to require denominations to uh, to allow gays to be pastors even if it speaks completely against whatever that church is that whatever that church believes and and the argument here will be that because these schools take federal <coughs> and state dollars right you know through loans and through other and you know i'm not an expert on on other for i know there are grants there are certain you know other yeah. pieces of yeah. funding that come through but if students are coming to your school and they're getting federal or state grants this becomes a problem for right. you right well are you then saying that these schools who hold these beliefs are not entitled to operate like every other school that taxpayers that's, are paying to fund that's, when they're public schools well that's exactly what they're saying and that's the crazy thing is that it's but here's the thing it's it's going to affect tax exempt status eventually you're going to lose your tax exempt status but what's going to happen is it's, they're going to make it illegal even if you totally don't accept any funding what is it Hill, is it hills hillsdale that doesn't accept any federal there's funding? a couple there's yes, a couple there's no, Christian you, university right. too or college yeah you can't yeah. you can't use get a federal uh, they're going to come for hillsdale too <laughs> they're going to come for all these groups they're going to say if you're discriminating at all we're going to shut you down we're going to take away your your license to even operate. That's what they're going to do. Well, the other area where this is extremely concerning, and we've seen this, if you're a counseling student and you don't want to counsel somebody into a lifestyle that you don't agree with as a Christian, you now the now the professional sciences are saying, "Oh no, 
You mm-hmm. have to accept those things or we won't we won't license you probably. I mean, I it's going to go to that point. Yep. Well, you can't be licensed if you won't do that. Yep. Um, th- this is what we are moving into is the exact thing that the critics who said everyone said they were crazy were warning about Absolutely. a year and a half ago. I know, and, I know. And this brings us to a lot of big questions about the election, about where we are. And I think people have to decide for themselves. There are a lot of people who may be listening who are fine with this, who think this yeah. is a good thing. I think the California bill is an absurdity. It specifically targets religious schools. Specific- it's, it's, it's worse than an absurdity. It is, it is an unconstitutional offense. But who's going to find it unconstitutional, Chris, if we have a Hillary Clinton nominating five justices to the Supreme (laughs) Court, potentially? See, see now this is what I hate. And so so we'll kind of transition here. You and I wanted to talk about the whole Hillary versus Trump thing, and 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 we can talk about that. But what I hate is those of us who are not Trump fans. I I know you're not a Trump fan, right? But we've had had the discussion on— I like him as an entertainer. I don't want him to be president. (laughs) Right. He's he's fun to have on on the boob tube, but— on the idiot box. I think he's hilarious. I always yeah. have thought he was hilarious. I, I enjoy him. I, I have always thought that, I've always thought the same thing. And I'm still I'm again, I'm not one of the rabid never Trumpers, but I'm still not ready to vote for him. I'm ready to just leave that box blank and I'll fill in all the other boxes below on, on all the other races, all the other ballot measures. But when you read when you read stories like what's coming out of California and, and you think, oh, Supreme Court, it makes it makes <laughs> when I discuss these California stories, it makes me and this is what I hate. It makes me sound like a rabid Trump supporter in that we, and I'm not, I'm not even a Trump supporter, not much, much less a rabid Trump supporter, but like, we have to fix this. We, and, and again, the, and, the, and the truth is in the long, there is no fixing this with, I mean, even the Supreme Court can't fix it. Even if they ruled the right way, they can't fix it because people are going to still demand this. They're still going to ostracize. They're still going to, what they'll do is instead of turning to the law, they'll turn to violence. Or they'll just find other ways to pressure. I mean, look, yeah, yeah. look, the case of Aaron and Melissa Klein, they lost their bakery and there may be other factors for that, but they lost their bakery when they wouldn't make the cake because the pushback was so intense. The harassment was so intense. And again, you can disagree with Melissa and Aaron Klein and be a great person. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about right. the people who went after them, who somebody broke into their property. I mean, th- this is this is crazy. Yeah. I know. We, there is no reason why there cannot be a balance here. And I think, and, and not everyone's going to love that balance of individual rights for all parties. There, but, but there look, is, if gay marriage is legal, fine, it's legal now. But we need to make sure that other people on the other side are protected too. Right. There is a reason, though, that there can't be a balance. The left will not allow it to happen. The, <coughs> the pro gay movement, the pro, the, the, the pro social liberalism, libertinism movement will not allow that balance to exist. Now, now they would say that the right didn't allow it to exist before either. And maybe there's some truth to that, right? But the tables have turned. And where we are now, it, it really is a paradigm switch. It went from a society that wouldn't tolerate gays. And in many ways, look, a lot of gay people have been horribly mistreated and, and attacked and had violence waged against them in the past and and have you know not been treated as human beings. That is true, right. 100% true. Right. And there are Christians who are responsible for that. But what you have is a switch now, and Christians are on the other side of this. Yeah. And, and I'm generalizing here, obviously, but sure. we are seeing a situation in which religious liberty is under attack, and you have a choice. And I'm not saying that I'm going, I'm not saying who I'm voting for, but this is the reality. We mm-hmm. don't know what either of these people are going to bring once they're in the White House. We have a better idea of what Hillary will bring once she's in the White House because we we know she's pretty, been pretty consistent on the progressive front. Right. Uh, Trump is was is a former liberal who apparently says he's a conservative now has promised conservative justices, and we can get into that after. Uh, um, but 
let's say one of them is elected, they might nominate up to five people to the Supreme Court. I, I'm fully aware. That, will, that is it. That's a done deal. The nation, it is <laughs> sealed and done, packaged up and delivered to the pits of hell. I wanted to sound like Robert Jeffers. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it, it's true, though. I mean, it's yeah. on either end. It is a done deal where we are headed culturally. Right. And well, and, and it, it, it may be a done. It may be could be a done deal where we're headed culturally. Not not that there's not hope for people's, you know, people's lives and people's freedom and people's well, maybe for freedom. But for the church, and I'm, we're not we're not speaking about well, the church is done. The church is going to be buried. And the church will die. The church will never die. That's just you know Christ promised that. That's not a worry. But as far as our American culture goes, yes, it could it yeah. could it could be a done deal. It, <laughs> it may well actually be a done deal already, because the the fact is the fact that these are the two people that have been who have been nominated. The fact that these are the two people who will be deciding who our Supreme Court judges uh, will be may indicate simply that it's over already anyway. For our culture, I agree. I agree. I so do the, think so though the, that so the Supreme Court nonsense may be immaterial, right? Or at least well, in, or I don't, inconsequ- I don't know or inconsequential. That. Well, because the goal sh- and, and obviously the church isn't going to die, but the goal should be that. I, let me put it this way: it's going to make life much more difficult for Christians, yeah, in general, and and I think that is a given. So it may not necessarily matter on the uh, overall, but I think in the practical day to day for institutions that want to live. Yeah, it's right. really fascinating to me that, the, that all of these institutions get to live the way they want to live in a progressive sense, but they're not going to allow people in a conservative <laughs> sense to live the way that they want to live. And we're going I to know. talk about diversity while not really embracing diversity. Well, but because but they don't, but they don't believe it. So that's, I mean, <laughs> uh, we can have this, we can have a talk, we can talk about the hypocrisy all along, but they've never believed in the di- actual diversity. They want only their way. And, and uh, that has been true of people on the right. Yes, before definitely. too, and not everybody on the right, but it has been true of people on the right as well. This Which isn't... I mean, look, yeah, the Pat Robertsons of the world, and all of the when you talk about, and I'm not blaming him for all this, but I'm saying you have a lot of people who really spoke in a very exclusionary way for a long time, and I think people have rejected that now. Yeah, and we're seeing the other side of that. But if this happens in California and this passes, you now have. A shining example for all the nut jobs in New York and everywhere else where I live to start embracing the same sort of ideology. And that's where it gets dangerous. Yep, I agree. Hillsdale was smart. (laughs) Yeah, they are smart. And that's, but again, in the short term, they're going to go after tax exempt status. In the long term, they're going to go after your well being, period. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen in the next five years, 10 years, 15, 20 years. But in the next five, I think regardless of who pres- who the president is, I think that right now it isn't even going to matter who who Trump nominates. That it's still going to yeah, go down the toilet. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't I think, think that's. True. I think you've got. I think, I think you've got Thomas and Alito, and uh, and uh, Roberts who will be good on the social stuff for the most part, uh, and that's it, right? But you want it to be harder. You want it to be harder. It's not going to be hard if some if if Hillary comes in and elects but, five people. It's going to be simple. But but look easy. at. But look at here's here's how we know we're so here's how we know we're so screwed. The, the President Obama, and when it comes to Supreme Court, President Obama just barely lost four justices on the Supreme Court. Now a fifth one would have overruled, but the fact the fact that it was a tie, Obama lost four justices on the Supreme Court. Four on the Supreme Court were willing to allow the president to exercise and abuse executive authority and essentially override Congress to give him sole authority on immigration. But that immigration ruling, went because it was a tie, went to the lower court ruling, which had ruled against the president. 
But but the fact is, the 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 fact that you've got even one Supreme Court justice willing to uh, give the president ultimate authority on things speaks volumes to where we are. I, I would I would I would I would I would guess that a hundred years ago you wouldn't have had one Supreme Court justice who said that that was a good idea. This yeah. uh, this executive authority abuse, and now you've got four. I mean, even if even if we had even if the even if the right had won, if the conservative court had won, and you know, Scalia hadn't died, it'd have been five to four. Still, four members of the Supreme Court willing to give him the ability to abuse his authority as an executive—that is alarming. And the fact is, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump both will, would abuse that authority if they had it, and they will both abuse that authority. And the fact is, you don't like me saying this—they're both unfit for office. I mean, he is totally unfit. For, uh, well, I think most Americans, uh, the, in fact, the, the polls that have been, polls that have been asked. There was a great one this week. I don't know if you saw. Thirteen percent of the people polled said they'd rather have a meteor hit Earth than, <laughs> than vote for either of them. Um, you know, I think people get that, and there's an overwhelming sense that it's two bad options, and people are going to be right. forced to choose. Now, there's those people who love to say, "Now, now, now! I have so much efficacy, and I'm going to just write someone in because that's in like you, Chris, who say that." Um, I'm not writing anybody like, in. I'm just going to leave it blank because a write-in doesn't matter. A write-in is silly. I'm and the sorry. Fact is, no and offense, the fact America. Is, and the fact is, living living in Washington State, it's very easy for me to stand by my <laughs> principles because my vote won't matter in Washington State as far as the Electoral College goes. It's already going to go to Hillary, period. I mean, there's no chance of Trump winning or any Republican winning statewide here uh, and on, on the presidential ballot, period. But that's just... Yeah, uh, that, I don't so, know. But, so Kevin Williamson had a, had a piece today at nationalreview.com. And the, and I sent you the paragraph that I that I absolutely adored from it. The, the 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 title of the column is called is just simply hell no, um, and it's about <laughs> no Republicans should not come around to Donald Trump. And here's the paragraph I love because this is where and this is where the conundrum is, right? It's like okay, so we know he's bad on everything, but at least we know at least we can we can guess that he's not worse than Hillary on the Supreme Court stuff. Here's here's the response I have to that, and it doesn't specifically address Supreme Court, but it expresses my hesitation based on the, his fitness for office. And it says, of course, Ted Cruz and others should have known well before the grassy knoll. And Eek, a Mexican judge, he's talking about. He said, you know, uh, Cruz and Governor Kasich and everybody who was running for president said they would eventually support whoever the nominee is. Well, Kasich and Cruz still have yet to come out and endorse Trump and say they're supporting him. And he's saying, you know, they should have known beforehand that that Trump could say crazy things, including accusing Cruz's dad of helping to plot the assassination of JFK and his that's my favorite and his and his questionable statement about a Mexican judge being unable to rule, you know, fairly. Right. Said, of course, Cruz, they should have known the stuff that Donald Trump is unfit for the office of the presidency. And that is what he is morally, intellectually and politically unfit for office. Is Hillary Clinton, is Hillary Rodham Clinton actually Satan in the flesh? Of course Hillary Rodham Clinton is actually Satan in the flesh. Donald Trump is still unfit for office. It isn't Ted Cruz's fault or John Kasich's or Marco Rubio's or Jeb Bush's that the American people in free and fair elections chose two major party candidates whose preening self-regard, dishonesty, moral cowardice, and incompetence is in each candidate's case the best and only argument for the other, con- uh, for the other candidate. Well done, America. And I'm, you know what? I don't disagree with a syllable in that, in that paragraph. Well, I don't, 
either. He's unfit the problem for office. is that they're He's, both unfit, though. And but right. one of them is so, going to be president, and right. that's the reality but, but that's, that it doesn't but, matter. Right. The fact one that, of them's going to the be. The fact that they're both unfit for office doesn't mean I should vote for one of them. Just because but one's, it, but, but, but just see, because one's where, more that's unfit. That's you lose me because it, it doesn't mean you shouldn't either. Yeah, I mean, if the, someone's the point is, office, the point is though, you somebody you have to pick the lesser of two evils no, because one no, of no. them is going. Well, you, you could not do it, but but then the worst evil is going to be pre- <laughs> going to be present. Possibly, that's the, that's the idea that everybody is going to think, no matter what side they fall on. You are going to, and I, and I know people who are voting for Hillary who are very faithful people who are voting for Hillary because they feel like she's the lesser of two evils. But my point is, regardless of where you stand, you that might make you feel good that you didn't vote for them, but it doesn't change the reality that you're delivering the other side. Then probably, yeah. But what the if you believe in who well, you're helping deliver that person? Right. And if you agree that if you if you believe that you're voting for the lesser of two evils, you don't have to support evil. Period. You don't have to support it. You can say, listen, I'm not supporting either evil. Right, an evil, an, an if if the if the scale of evil is a one to ten, with ten being the most evil, and one candidate's a nine, I'm not saying that that Trump is a nine and Hillary's a ten, but eventually you have to stop voting for the lesser of two evils. If one candidate's a nine on the evil scale and one's a ten, I don't vote for the nine. I probably Period. I disagree Period. though. I think, I wouldn't vote I think for a you, nine. If you want, if you really want. Your country to be less evil. You're going to choose the less evil option, and that and that is the. And now but, I know that that's a simplified way of looking at it. I just don't think that opting out, and I say this as somebody who has said repeatedly that I might opt out. I just don't <laughs> know, and, and I'm clearly moving more away from that. I don't know that opting out does anything more than give you a false sense of efficacy that you have some sort of control that you really don't have when you're just but it's delivering. Not, I no, I understand totally the consequences for me personally. I would totally understand the consequences of of not voting, right? I totally understand the consequences. Should I be voting in a state where it would matter? And like, I totally understand the consequences of my vote, but my conscience remains clear in that I never, but I never, but I that I never cast a vote for evil. I don't care if it's a nine or a ten. Some degree. No, well, you are. I mean that. But there's not. But I mean, there there are plenty of people who are not evil. There are people who I adamantly disagree with, right? Bernie Sanders, for instance, I adamantly disagree with him, and I would never vote for him. But I wouldn't put him on the evil scale as far. Do you as think like, it's evil that he believes that you know a woman should be able to abort a baby at nine months? I think that is evil. But I wouldn't put him at the same level on the scale as Hillary Clinton. Do you understand? What what if or, or even a, a pro a. a pro-lifer like jeb bush i or, or mike huckabee i'm not a fan of mike huckabee right but he's right on he's right on social things for the most part his his way of dealing with it is not correct most a lot of the time the progressive he's conservative progressive or a right-wing progressive but the but the fact is he's not i don't put him on the evil scale do i like him no do i like him as a person irrelevant but the fact is i don't think that he's evil would i vote for him um I don't know. Probably, I suppose, maybe. But well, I don't consider I, I him only, evil. There's not I, everybody's evil, even the ones I disagree with. Evan Bai, well, Evan Bai is he, he is nominally pro-choice, but I don't think he's evil. The former governor of Indiana used to be a senator. Surprised he's not running for president. I don't consider him evil. I consider him wrong on a lot of things, and I consider abortion evil. But I don't consider everybody who supports. Pro, the and I pro think choice. That's fair. I, was, I don't yeah. support. Every, I don't believe that everybody who supports. Now, if you're advocating for abortion, that's one thing. But anybody who says, you know what, I I fall into the pro choice category, 
I don't think that you, I think that you're supporting <laughs> something that is evil. And you have to be held accountable for that. But that doesn't make you evil, does it? Well, no, I don't. I, I'm not sure. Look, I'm not going to call anybody evil. I'm not even going to call. I'm not going to call Trump or Hillary evil. I'm going to say they believe in a lot of things that I think are wrong. And they say things that I think are completely wrong. But if the re- and I am all about systems and 30,000 feet and when I see people who are trying to transform culture in a negative way that's going to impact a lot of people, I almost can look at that and say, I think that's more wrong than say than making stupid statements that are also just idiotic. Now, I, I don't know which one I think is worse than the other, but well, I do I do have an idea. I think Trump is not as I think on issues of morality speaking out on issues of morality with a goal of impu- imbuing those views on other people, Hillary is far worse, I would say. On issues of making incompetent statements to make America look stupid, Trump is much worse than Hillary. But she has an agenda to change culture. He doesn't he, really have any plans at all, so I he, can't accuse right, him of having an agenda. He's wrong, and, now, and I can understand that. He's wrong on most of the issues, right? He's, he's just, because he just doesn't understand them, for the, but he doesn't have an agenda on those things. That said, now, he, I don't know which he, is worse. I he guess, does, I don't but he does have which is worse, evil or ignorance. I don't know. But there's also he doesn't have an agenda to impose a left wing. He doesn't have a plan, as far as we know, to impose a left wing agenda on America. But he certainly doesn't have a plan to impose a right wing agenda on America. No, but he, the, he's going the, to be more. But this is a fact. He will be more open to a right wing agenda right. than Hillary. Right. Would but be. he's also more likely to be duped into supporting something, but something, something bad. But my bigger concern with him is away from the mor- immorality and toward the abuse of the Constitution, which is an immoral act of itself. But my, my issue is, okay, so, so he's great, so he's going to nominate some good Supreme Court judges, allegedly, if he can get them through the, through the Senate, which I don't believe he can. <coughs> and so he'll be willing to change his tune and nominate somebody bad for the, for the Supreme Court, I believe. I don't think that he'll stand by any of his nominees when it comes. If he, elects a, if he nominates a conservative to the Supreme Court, you think the Democrats are going to let him have a pass? Not going to happen. Do I think he'll stand up to the Democrats on it? I do not. I think that he's not only going to not appoint Supreme Court justices. Again, this is just me thinking. I know Hillary will support uh, appoint bad SCOTUS judges. I believe that he probably will appoint bad ones. I also believe he's more likely to abuse the Constitution and his authority as the chief executive than Hillary Clinton is. I really do believe that. And so I don't know which is more dangerous. I don't, I don't know if I believe that at all. I don't think we have any evidence to that. He's made silly statements, but I don't think we could defend. Yeah, we like don't know what he would do. That's what he going say. after the press, you know, banning the press. The well, same that thing, is concerning. The same, I've said the same that. things that he he has the same. But hasn't reflexes. Obama done the same? Right, but he that's just the, but so, okay. So you've made my point. He's doing the same things to the Constitution, <laughs> or advocates doing in his own rhetoric doing the same things to the Constitution that we have screamed about Obama doing. But Hillary's going to do it too. So at the end of the day, it's like you take all the pieces of the puzzle and you try to put them together and you try to see which puzzle doesn't look like it went through the washer. (laughs) And I think they're both going to look like they went through the washer, all the puzzle pieces. But his might not look as bad. Now, others will say they don't think Clinton's will look as bad. And and I think that, look, either way, the nation is in trouble because either candidate is a hot mess. And... That is the reality of it. Right. We've got okay, somebody so if, who. So if both it, can if both candidates are bad, I mean, I know you're registered as an independent, I believe. Yes. But both both candidates are, both candidates are bad. If things are going, if the S is going to hit the fan <laughs> in the next four years during the administration of the next president, if it's 
wouldn't you rather have the S hit the fan under Hillary than under Trump? Well, let me ask you this. Because if it's you gonna hit two, the fan. I mean, if it's gonna hit the fan, it's gonna hit the fan. I don't know that either. If you have two alleyways, okay, two alleyways, and in one alleyway somebody drops ten bags of garbage, and in the other alleyway somebody drops five bags of garbage. Which alleyway do you want to clean up? Depends on what's the gar what's what's in the garbage. Same amount of garbage. What's in the garbage? Is one of them filled with feces oh, and the you other, probably want to and the other with sure. milk cartons? I mean, if we're talking somebody's throwing away old donuts or somebody's throwing away bags of cat poop, I mean... This has gone way off the rails. I don't even, okay. I don't even know. Let's take a break because I think we got to go do an interview, don't we? We do. Okay, so let's take a break. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll play an interview. We'll do an interview. And then I don't know what else. We'll talk about other silly things that have to do with the election and Donald Trump and Billy's desire to support someone evil because he has i'm not supporting trump absolutely but i'm just trying to make a point and see that's the sick that's the sick thing right i don't think you're supporting him either but the fact is we are in such a s storm when it comes to social policy tax policy government how the government works religious freedom all those sorts of things we're in such a screwed up state right now that you someone who's not even sure he's going to vote for whoever the for on the presidential ballot comes across as a Trump supporter. That's Isn't how that bad sad? that's how bad things are. So uh, on that happy note, we'll be back in just a minute. The founder of this company ten years ago was trying to sell his house. He's you know he's kind of an important guy and he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com The church boys. Man, I hate these guys. All right, we are back. Now, we just had a good discussion about... um, about Donald Trump and the election and whether or not you should support Hillary or Trump or, or neither or both or, or whatever. It's, it's, maybe it's immaterial. I don't know. Um, but we, there was the discussion of, and I think it's the best, the best point uh, that the Trump people have, and I think it's the one they should play up constantly, and that is the Supreme Court fight. He has l- released a list of you know, potential Supreme Court picks that he would have. You know, he, might, he even said in a speech on Friday uh, today that I was watching, he said, you know, it could be pointing up to five Supreme Court justices, at least three, if up to, you know, up to five. And I think that that's very, I think it's a very legitimate argument to make. And if you're going to convince someone like me, it's going to be on the Supreme Court issue. Uh, and so Billy, though, was pointing out, you know what, Franklin Graham had something is- interesting to say on the Supreme Court thing. What was that, Billy? Well, Franklin Graham basically put out a post and he said, look, Donald Trump has told us he was very upset about the abortion ruling in Texas. And he put out a post on Monday and he said, look, you know, we we know who Donald Trump is saying he's going to nominate. Why why won't Hillary nominate anybody? And he said, where's your list, Hillary? Mm-hmm. Um, and now the reaction to that, because I wrote a story about it for Deseret News and the reaction was fascinating. You know, a lot of people saying in the comments, you know, that's not an appropriate role for a candidate. You shouldn't be putting lists out of of you know, judges that you would consider vetting. Um, I don't really agree with that. I think it's actually an interesting tactic. And I think what we've seen is that anything goes in politics now. The the typical rules of what's okay no longer uh, pertain, I think. Um, And so 
I I had no problem. I actually think he needed to do something like yep. that. I agree. I think I, I don't pro- I I have a problem with, and the law seems to have a problem with you saying I'm going to appoint so and so to you know be the defense you know Secretary of Defense or so and so to be the Attorney General. You can go out and say I would appoint people like so and so, but he came out with a list of you know how many people were on the list, a dozen people. You know, yeah, for, and I think for, he said he to, would pursue investigating, right. looking into them. Right. These, you are the, know. these are the types of people I would appoint, and it's to one spot, <laughs> not to 12, 12 people for 12 spots. Saying these kinds of people, this, these are the kind of people who I would have on my judge list. And I think that that's fair. I, I think that you why know, should the law ban though? I would actually, I would love a, to know the administration a, that somebody would put in. Well, but I think there's a quid pro quo kind of thing. Like if you know, you get somebody's support, you convince somebody to endorse you who's maybe questionable on whether they would endorse, and then if you probably they're doing you, it anyway. Well, yeah, they're doing it I'm, anyway. But I'm the, just saying behind that, closed doors. Yeah. Oh, sure. But there's there is a legal side to it, and I and I it's an understandable law or, or I shouldn't say law, a prescription at least on it. But um, right, it's just like everything else, well, and you know, human beings ruin it. Well, and on the on the Supreme Court ruling on the abortion thing that came out on Monday, it took him a couple of days to actually come out and say anything about it at all. Trump, that is. But interestingly, when he came out and said something, he said, "You know, if if I were president, I would have appointed somebody conservative to fill you know Scalia's spot, and we would have had the opposite ruling. No, we wouldn't have it. It would have been five to four instead of five to three. Right, you, you doofus. Right. <laughs> yeah, like, I know. I yeah, it's." I mean, now, oh, it's so weird. He's, I mean, now maybe his point was he would have, if had he been president, he would have not, because how many appointees has Obama had? He's had a number now, yeah, what, yeah. four, three, I don't even know. You know, that he would have appointed other conservatives, which is still a stupid argument because yeah. you weren't president then and right. it wouldn't have mattered. No, Mitt Romney right. could have done that too if right. he had been president, right. but, but he wasn't. But uh, so here's, and I just, you know, mentioned a word that I was, you know, some accused me of name calling, I would call it aptly describing. But does it bother you? Is there a part of you that's hesitant at all to support Trump based simply on the doofus factor? I I and I, and I, I, I say that I say that in jest partially, but there's also a part of me that says, "No, I'm serious. I don't want a doofus for president." I think that there is a misconception about Trump, and I love the arguments against him. Yeah, I think it's the perception of what he puts out, that that is an issue that should give people pause. How are we going to be perceived as a country based on the pers- uh, the persona that he has created and that he is living out? But there is no way, whether somebody loans you a million dollars, which is you know apparently what his father did, whether there is no way that you reach that level of success without being an intelligent person in some way. And I would argue, even those who say he's manipulated and screwed people over to get money again you have to be intelligent to figure out how to play the system like that so i don't think we're dealing with a stupid person um in terms of the capability to learn from or delegate i think we're seeing somebody who has built success who has built wealth whether it's five billion dollars or ten million dollars and who knows how to do that and it's not just about being on a reality show he had success before that reality show and i do there's a disservice i think in how we sometimes talk about trump now having said that Yes, the doofus factor in terms of the persona does matter, I think. Okay. I think we have a show title. <laughs> the doofus factor. <laughs> the doofus factor. If we're ever kicked off the Blaze Radio Network, that could be the name of our show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. So so that said, let's go ahead and uh, let me transition us here. Let get us fully transitioned. We're only partially transitioned right now. So we've just got on the wig and the dress. Let's get fully transitioned here. And here we go. 
That said, so we we just had an interview with, we we just recorded during that break. Actually, recorded this interview with a guy named Kent Evans. Tell, tell people about Kent Evans, uh, Billy. Kent Evans uh, runs a female clothing company. No, and I'm kidding. He's, he's he, going um, to be extremely that'll make embar- sense when you hear ex- our interview. Extremely embarrassed that he was ever on this show uh, based but- on the things we just said. He runs a he runs a an organization <laughs> called Manhood Journey and his whole mission it's a Christian group but the whole mission is to get men talking about how to be good fathers how to have good relationships with their sons how to raise men up in a culture that in many ways he believes has tor- torn men down and, and it's been a very difficult ride for a lot of young people who who are men today and so we talked with him about a lot of that he's also got a book out um, that is very fascinating along the same lines and so. I won't ruin the interview for you. I'll just have Chris roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys podcast, and we have Kent Evans on the line. He is the founder and chairman of the Manhood Journey. How are you doing today, Kent? Fantastic, sir. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. So the name of your group, of your organization, is fascinating. So I'm just going to have to ask you, what in the world is Manhood Journey, and why did you start it? Well, it's a line of women's clothing. No, nice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Chris was uh, actually getting I was getting, really I was getting kind of excited. <laughs> going to the website and making an order. <laughs> um, what we're about is we're trying to help fathers raise the next generation of godly young men. That's our mission statement. That's our heartbeat. And the way we do that is through some intentional tools, but that's our desire. Our desire is to see dads get fully engaged in the raising of and the discipling of their own sons. Wow. Now, what are some of, and actually before we continue, because this is exciting, today is the, um, is the day that you have started full-time with your organization. You, you left your job, and you're going to devote yourself fully to Manhood Journey. Is that correct? That is correct. What did you, what did you do for a living before this? <coughs> uh, I panhandled, and so I'm going to actually continue to do that. It's just going to be, now I'll be panhandling for Jesus. Right, that's the nature of, non- uh, that's the nature of non-profits. Is it, is it a non-profit? <laughs> <laughs> it is a nonprofit, yes. Uh, my background is uh, marketing and sales jobs in corporate America. So I've had jobs with big $30, $40 billion companies, and I've had jobs with smaller you know, 50-person type shops. But I've always been in a marketing or sales type role um, in the career sense. Okay. Very good. So <clears throat> what for you, what was it that led you on this journey? You know, like What were the things that made you say, we need something like Manhood Journey? You know, the start of this is it's not like we set out with some kind of a save the fathers sort of mission. That was not, we weren't nearly that advanced or grandiose or, or um, faith-filled, I would say. But we started with, at our church. A guy said, hey, why don't we do more stuff for fathers and sons? And a few of us looked at each other and said, yeah, why don't we? Um, so we broke off into groups, and we decided to do different things. A group did this or that. Our group decided to do small groups uh, content that would be maybe at somebody's home, how could we get guys sitting around talking about Scripture, and would, would an 11-year-old boy actually find that interesting? And so we built this content, and it went so well, we wrapped a ministry around it, and then here we are about four or five years later, and I'm jumping in full-time. So uh, we started just trying to get fathers and sons to have some kind of biblical dialogue, and then it turned into a bit of a movement on us. So is this, is this ministry, this, this nonprofit, is it connected to your church in any way? Is it affiliated with your, your church or your denomination? It's not, not connected in any kind of you know, legal or operational sense, but right. we have a really strong uh, working relationship with our home church, which is a 
non-denominational church in Louisville called Southeast Christian Europe. We're an official ministry partner, if you will, but that doesn't mean anything that's really co-mingled. They try to help us. We can use uh, their facilities and, and test our content there, and and they have a lot of folks on staff who are very helpful to us. Oh, cool! That's very cool. I I was I was I've told Billy before I was in a similar situation in the D.C. metro area. We we planted a church, but we also started a nonprofit, and there was some overlap among the people who work and are a part of these things, but they weren't legally connected. So that's that's good to hear that you're you've got you've got a you've got a good church support without being legally connected to a church. I think that's healthy. Well, we've had a lot of folks will have you know horror stories about working you know with an organization that's a big church or something like that. In our case, man, God's really blessed us in the context of our home church has been super supportive of us and all along the way. That's great. So take us through. I know you have an ebook um, and <clears throat> you have some other elements to help people. Take us through the resources and the programs that you guys are running through Manhood Journey. Yeah, today the core resource, the main thing is what we call a module or a group discussion guide. So we have published seven of these group discussion guides that a dad, if you can visualize, you have maybe seven or eight dads in the room and eight or ten boys. One guy has two kids or whatever. And so you usually have a group of about 15 or so, and one dad's leading the group, and we give that guy a resource to lead the group. And it's questions. It's, uh, it's scripture, and it's four or five questions. And it's questions that get the dads talking, questions that get the boys talking, and uh, that was kind of our core product that we've had for the last several years. And right now, we're in the process of releasing a brand new set of products that will go with those that are a one-on-one guide that's a complement. So if you happen to live in a region where there's not a manhood journey group near you, um, then you can use these new one-on-one tools. And then we have stuff around that, like ebooks. And, and I recently released a book, my first book, that was published on June 1st that is uh, not directly connected to the ministry, but on the same topics as the ministry. What's it called? The name of the book is called Wise Guys, and the subtitle is Unlocking Hidden Wisdom from the Men Around You. Oh, that's cool. a personal passion of mine. Oh, cool. That's, now, that's great. Now, the, the study guides that you have, or the, or the modules that you have for the, um, lack of a better term, for the small groups of, of, of guys and their kids, how does it... How do you find the way, or how do you how do you bridge? You know what we're we're talking to eleven year olds, and we're talking to forty year olds. How do you bridge that gap so that it doesn't it isn't dumbed down too much for the dads, and not too uh, theological or too intellectual for the for the boys? So, are you saying by that question that most forty year olds are more advanced mentally than most eleven year olds? Well, <laughs> this, well, Chris this, certainly uh, a forty this, is not. This, this, for, just, this forty year old like there is was not. Some bias in that question. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm forty. I'm I'm forty, and I'm on par with my six year old son, five year old son. <laughs> I would argue that his five year old son is a few notches more advanced than Chris's. Many people would argue oh, okay. that. Many people would argue that, including the estimable Mrs. Field. So. <laughs> So I'll rephrase your question. How do we make sure that the content's not too advanced for the 40-year-old, but still works for the 12-year-old? Right. Um, you know what? We started with a lot of care and concern over those issues. Even boys' age ranges, like, in the group. Like, I just finished a group a few weeks ago. We went for six weeks, and um, we had boys as young as, I think, nine in that group, and some as old as 17. And we really wrestled with, you know, can you create this kind of dialogue across these different age groups, even amongst boys, you know, the average nine-year-old is a whole lot different than the average 17-year-old. Sure. So here's what we found. 
what we found, I wish we could say we knew this was going to happen, we planned for it, we didn't, but what we found was when the nine-year-old says, you know, my sister drives me crazy, and I, I hate my sister, or whatever, the 17-year-old, before the dads could jump in, the 17-year-olds were going, yeah, you know, I used to feel the same way about my sister, but now that we're older, she's actually a good friend. And we sat back as dads and watched this really bizarre dynamic start to happen where the older kids were helping the younger kids. And so that dynamic helped kind of assuage our fears about, you know, the age of the boys. So that for the dads, what we're finding is even though the content is, is, so to speak, dumbed down for the 11 or 12-year-old, it's at a place where a 12-year-old can understand it and process through it. It's dialogue-driven. And so we're not trying to convey deep theological concepts or turn people into one kind of denominational believer or another. We're going to throw out a scripture like Jeremiah 29, 11, and talk about the plans God has for you. And then we're going to ask the boys, do you think God has plans for you? Okay. And the boys will share. And then we'll ask the dad, did you think God had plans for you when you were 12? And have they turned out to be true or better or worse? And so we, we just try to create biblically ignited dialogue, and it works across all age groups. Cool. Well, let me ask you this, because you mentioned your book, Wise Guys, and I wanted to ask you a few questions about that. I know it just came out. You actually have great reviews of this book, which should, which should make you happy. Um, and I, I wanted to know, you know, in the, in the description of the book, it talks about the fact that we live in a confusing world for guys um, and that it's a tough time. Why do you think that is? You know, what do you think culturally is going on and what is the impact on men uh, that you're seeing in, in your work? Yeah, I, it doesn't take a rocket scientist or someone from, you know, the Pew Center or Barna Group to, to tell us all that fatherhood is on decline. Now, what I mean by decline is the number of kids growing up in two-parent households with a mom and dad is lower than it's ever been and that we've ever measured in our country's history. And also that dads are basically ridiculed and lampooned. You know, if you look at your average TV sitcom, the dad is a bumbling fool and the mom is the intelligent one and the dad has to always be pulled back from his stupidity by this smart lady. Right. And I married way I married way up. Like I'm not kidding. I know guys say that. I really, really did marry a woman who's superior to me in many ways. And she's really sharp and very godly and faithful. But you know what, man? We've just kind of told guys there's this narrative that when you get older, your wife wears the pants, you gotta ask the boss for permission. She's the ball and chain. And all these mental concepts we give young men and then they get they turn 18 or 20 or 22, and, and we wonder why they can't spiritually lead their household. And right. it's crazy, right? We're feeding them this lie. And I think it's spiritual warfare, and I think at the bottom of it, what we see is all this stuff is connected to dads being gone. Yeah. Like, like, we all know, yeah, a kid might be a little less direct, had a little less direction or had father wounds or whatever. But like teen pregnancy, drug use, violent crime, uh, school dropout, all this stuff is mathematically now statistically connected to the absence of a father in the home. And yeah. So it's this very negative, currently self-perpetuating cycle we're sort of stuck in. So how did, yeah. how did, how did we get to that point, and how do, we get, how do we get back? I mean, I know you've got your fatherhood initiative or your manhood journey, which is a form of fatherhood initiative, I suppose. But how did we get there? I mean, we can say, okay, you know, you know, the evil one wanted to separate families, and okay, we know that. How did we as a society get to the point where fatherhood is mocked, uh, uh, fatherhood is devalued. I mean, it used to be the whole, you know, the beaver, the leave it to beaver time, you know, you know, Ward Cleaver, you didn't, you didn't mess with them. You know, and is this, is this simply a, a reaction to that as the pendulum simply swung and people are now 
uh, you know, anti-male. I mean, there is an anti-male movement, I suppose. What, what, what do you see that got us to where we are? And what do you see as a way to get us out from where we are? Yeah, I think that um, I had an interesting conversation one time with a friend of mine who was talking about this topic of male leadership and, and so forth in, in a marriage and marital context. And he said, you know, I would lead more if my wife stepped back occasionally and let me lead. And like it was all I could do to grab him by the shirt collar and say, you are the problem. <laughs> like you, yeah. you personally embody this whole problem in what you just said. Because what I have found is that if we take leadership, and I don't mean dominance, right. I don't mean like some kind of caveman-like thing where we bonk women over the head and drag them back to the cave. Right. That's not what I mean by leadership. When we take spiritual leadership, you, sh- you show me, you show me a, a woman in the context of a marriage has a husband who listens to her, who cares for her, who prays for her, who works hard to provide some or all of the bacon. You just show me that, and you, and you don't have big leadership problems in those homes. And so I think the answer to the question about how do we get back on this horse is, quite simply, men have to learn or relearn how to lead. Right. In every context, in every context, work, missions, ministry, marriage, parenting, I think men are on balance our leadership capacity has flipped. How we got here, man, I'm not, I'm not totally sure, but I, I believe I know how we can get out, and that is men have to take proactive steps to get themselves out. Yeah. And my last question for you, and Chris might have another, but <clears throat> my last question for you is just what steps are you going to be taking in addition to what you guys are doing now, now that this is your full-time work, your full-time passion, what's next? Yeah, we want to we build community. So um, one thing that I think would be really cool would be I happen to be surrounded, and that's kind of the context of my book, is I happen to be surrounded by a lot of really interesting guys who I'm calling these wise guys who, are, uh, who pour into me regularly um, over coffee, at breakfast, at lunch. These guys who I, I have, and I've cultivated these relationships. You know, some guys, some guys like to garden. I like to go and garden with, for mentors in, in my life, and I've got a bunch. And I think if we can create that community, we'll, we'll be off to the races. And so we want to do some digital things. We've got some ideas on digitally creating communities of fathers that may or may not be geographically connected but are attitudinally connected. We've got some ideas around events that we want to do around the country, places like Louisville, Dallas, L.A., where we've got kind of hot spots of activity for man the journey. So events and community will be a, kind of the next frontier for us to get these guys connected to one another so they realize, hey, I'm not alone. I'm not the only guy out here trying to raise my kids in a way that's productive because they're not. Hmm. So, uh, how, and Billy and I were just actually talking about this earlier today uh, as part of another show. And and how do we how do we battle the current? So, I don't want to say battle because it's too negative, but it is a fight. It is a battle. It is a spiritual battle, but it, it comes across as too negative. How do we can how do we promote um, healthy families in a in a current environment? in the United States where we're seeing family families devalued, but also like marriage and family redefined. I mean, you're dealing, you dealt with it in, in Kentucky. You guys, you guys had it firsthand with the woman who wouldn't sign the, you know, the marriage documents, licenses for, yeah, for, for same sex exactly. couples. What is, how do we go back? It's when, when we can't define what family is or what, I guess, or what marriage is, how do we then describe in the correct role of fatherhood? Well, so for us, and this is just our little corner of the world, for manhood journey, 
we think all those answers are somewhere in Scripture. And so what we're trying to do is not come up with our own definition of fatherhood and say, hey guys, this is what we think fatherhood is, and here's the 10 steps to fatherhood that, according to Manhood Journey, that's not our objective. Right. Our objective is to say, hey, by the way, guess who invented fatherhood? Yeah. Uh, the guy who invented fatherhood happens to tell you a whole lot about it in his word, right. so let's go and study that and see if we can recapture a common understanding of what a, what a productive and godly father looks like, because I just think, if we, if we go to that, I think most men, most men don't spend more time in the Bible because it hurts, <laughs> because, yeah. well, because yeah. when you read it, you realize, number one, you're not the center of the universe. Right. Uh, number two, you've got a long way to go, um, and you're saved and redeemed, I get it, but at the same time, to mirror the character of Christ, you've got a long way to go. And I just, I think it's in Scripture. I know that sounds maybe pat or too simple, but I think the definition is in Scripture. And the more we study it, the closer we get to reality. Hmm. Well, that's fair enough. To, that sounds good to me. I, I, I don't, I guess, <laughs> I, and I agree with it totally. What is your answer? And I have, we, Billy and I have our own answers for these kinds of things, and there's not any one right answer, I suppose, other than obviously love has to be a part of it. But how do you respond uh, to the critics who who are the critics of, 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 uh, for lack of a better term, biblical manhood and biblical fatherhood. And again, I hesitate, and Billy's heard me talk about this before, I hesitate to talk to point somebody to say, you need to have a biblical family. If you look at the families in the Bible, there's a lot of screwed upness there, right? I mean, even Mary and Joseph <laughs> lost lost Jesus for a couple of days. I mean, talk about, you know, feeling, you know, overwhelmed. But so biblical families might not be Christian families would be good. Spiritual families would be good. You know, God intended designed families is the right thing. But how do you respond to critics who who, who say that your your view is hateful or your view is very uh, yeah uh, is very narrow in scope? You need to open your mind. You need to be more fair. What about this kind of family or this kind of fatherhood or this kind of you know, this? How how dare you define manliness as someone who goes out and goes hunting and fishing and spends time with his boys and rah, 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 that kind of attitude? You know the Tim Allen feel. Exactly. You know I think. Sometimes we use the phrase, like, to use the phrase you mentioned a second ago, we use the phrase, like, biblical family. To, and, and what people hear in their mind is perfect family yeah. or flawless family or, you know, uh, a family with no chink in the armor and no black sheep and no problems. And I think that's part of what we have to redefine. In my view, I, I can't tell you guys, uh, and you can ask my boys, I have four sons at home, one more on the way mm -hmm. to international adoption. I have four boys, and I can't tell you how many times I've gone into them and said, hey, dad screwed up. Mm. I should not have yelled at you. I should not have yelled at you about that thing. And you know what's really interesting? Some guy taught me this years ago. My boys, as they got a little bit older, they would say, oh, that's okay, dad. You know, we shouldn't have been throwing our little brother off the top bunk or whatever they were doing, <laughs> you know, but I went in there and yelled at them to stop. Uh, and then I, somebody taught me to do this, and I think it is a partial answer to your question. They said, uh, I tell my boys, uh, you know what? You're right. You shouldn't have been throwing him off the top bunk. However, that was your problem. I came in and I sinned against you. My behavior is not a reaction to your behavior. Right. I sinned against you because I chose to because I'm a jerk yeah. and I'm selfish and I'm tired and I'm overworked and I'm whatever. Yeah. And I think that's the piece of this puzzle we've got to start owning. We've got to start owning the fact that being biblical doesn't mean being flawless or right. perfect. Right. It means being redeemed. Yeah. 
That's that's awesome. And and you know, and it says in Ephesians, do not you know, fathers don't provoke your children to wrath. So we have to you know, it's not all on the kids, and it's not all on the wives. In fact, the Bible I would say really weighs that when it cocks two roles in the family, it really puts the the onus on the dads. And you love you love your love your wife as you love your wife as you love the church. Whoa, as God loved the church. I, are you kidding? That's <laughs> that's a pretty weighty thing to you know because Jesus was willing to die for the church. Hey, I remember. You know, I remember that. I remember the time I used to be a marketing consultant, and I remember the time my wife was getting on me for not having done something around the house. And I basically said, you know, I got a lot going on, and I had some kind of excuse about how busy I was. And she used one of my client's names, and she said, you know, I'll bet if so-and-so, and she's mentioned his name, had mentioned it, you'd have written it down and gotten it done. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it was like a kick in the stomach. Cause <laughs> all I could say was... Yeah. Yeah, you you know you're right. I, w- I probably would have. Yeah. And she said, so basically, your clients are more important than your wife. And I just had to go. You know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I, I I'm going to change. Yeah. And I couldn't hide behind anything other than, you know, just slide on the play, then go back ten yards and start over. Yeah. Well, and and thankfully, thankfully, if you're if you're in a marriage that that's focused on Christ, you you get the replays, right? You get the you okay. There was a penalty, but you get the down over, and that's. Anytime I can bring a football analogy into a theological discussion, I am pleased beyond description. So, can anything else you wanted to share? Anything else you wanted to share with our with our listeners before we uh, before we take off? I just want to say to the guy out there who's who's got children, boys or girls, uh, get in the game. Yeah. And and to to the point we're making now, don't worry about penalties. Don't worry about losses down. Don't worry about when you take that run and you go backward. Uh, be in the game. Yeah. It doesn't, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the role model. That's not the objective. But you you do need to set an example yeah. of a flawed and imperfect dad who is, however, dived in and dug into the game. So I just yeah. say, guys, get in the game. Join us on the manhood journey, and you don't you can't screw it up unless you just don't play. Awesome. And in fact, well, thank you I, so much for coming on. It's and been great. I was going to tell you, I, I coach football, and one of our sayings we ask our boys, "What's the most important play?" And the correct answer is always. The next one, the, the next, next play. So, exactly so, right. so Kent, Kent Evans, you're with uh, manhoodjourney.org, also the author of Wise Guys. Uh, check it out on Amazon. You can order on Kindle or in paperback. It came out, what, you say June 1st? So, uh, yeah, Wise Guys, unlocking, unlocking Hidden Wisdom from the Men Around You. Thanks so much, Kent, for your time, and uh, we look forward to seeing what's going to happen with your project. We think that you know God can do some big things through it, and, and he, he wants dreamers, and you're one of those guys. So thanks for being out there. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Boy, it's been a pleasure. All right, talk to you Have later. Have a good one. Mm-hmm. Bye bye. You too, guys. Bye bye. Back to the church boys. All right, we're back for just a few more minutes here. Um, hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, with Ken Evans. I think he was fascinating. I just I, I could have talked to him for another 20, 30 minutes. I just I, I like the guy. I think his heart is in the right place. I think he's tons of fun. Um, he's, uh, he's got the right ideas, I think for manhood initiative. Now, speaking of manhood, someone who's way manlier than, uh, than Billy will ever be. Uh, in fact, manlier than I, uh, will ever be. And, and maybe even ever hope to be is a man we've actually had on the show before named Tim Tebow and Tim Tebow continues to go out and do just these amazing things. He finds himself in places that normal people don't find themselves. And then he reacts in those situations the way normal, not in the way normal people would react. Now, Billy, you had a story on him this week 
about something that happened on an airplane, and, and there's Tim Tebow, I mean, playing Superman. It's like the strangest thing, because every week he makes headlines for doing something good. It's like, you know, <laughs> you I, I don't it. think it's just having a good publicist. I think he really <laughs> he is a good guy. He's just so good and so handsome, he just can't help himself. He's a looker. <laughs> um, uh, the bottom line, the bottom line is that what he did on the plane, it's a very simple act. I, you know, from what we know, this man had some sort of heart condition, a heart attack. We assume it's what we've been told. Yeah. And on this airplane in midair, which is one of the most terrifying things you can imagine, the family's gathering around the guy, um, and everybody's trying to help him. The staff are trying to help the guy. And then Tim Tebow stands up and walks across the aisle, walks over to the family and leads the entire section of the airplane in prayer, mm. um, and prays for this guy. And when the plane lands a few people took pictures of this or at least two people who took photos and shared the story and that's how it sort of went viral after of what had happened now tim tebow being a humble person he didn't react he didn't comment on it there was nothing on his twitter feed or his facebook feed in the days after and i think that sort of speaks to the character of doing something with humility which he repeatedly has done you know he flew from the bahamas a couple weeks ago (laughs) left his vacation and went to go see one of his friends who was a bartender at pulse nightclub yeah Um, you could assume that we don't know but a Allegedly, possibly, uh, could be some differences in the way that the two of them believe on certain issues. But yeah, he left his vacation because it was his high school football um, playing friend who he knew from high school and went and saw him. We've repeatedly seen this behavior where he's living out his faith and he's not putting it out there in the media. It's getting picked up. And so uh, from what we know, that man did end up passing away after the flight, after he landed. Um, But it was that kind act that really resonated with so many people. Now, I've heard I've heard multiple reports on this and some of them probably more accurate accurate than others but didn't the guy's heart <clears throat> stop while he's on the plane yeah that's yes that's according to one of the guys who had posted the photo that guy's heart stopped and it started up again after they land after they landed and then he died at a hospital did he ever resume consciousness do we know we don't know okay that's I, I just know. found it i just found it fascinating that i mean but again tim tebow finds himself in these situations and can't help himself because this is what he does this is who he is and i and i believe there's a part of him that's in these situations because he's He's asked, he has prayed for that. He's asked to be, God, put me in these kinds of situations. And God goes, okay, you know, and drops him in the middle of an airplane where our guy's having a heart attack. I don't think he was ever, I don't, I'm not saying that he wasn't meant to play football. I I think that his mission has always been much bigger than that. And football was the conduit through which he could do those things. And he's probably had a hard time accepting maybe that, but he seems to have done a good job of finding other work. Football was a marketing. (laughs) his name out there. Football was the way that God marketed Tim Tebow. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. God's a brilliant marketing genius. Yes, yes he uh, maybe is. he should, maybe he could do something wonderful for this show. Yeah, maybe we us, could hi- maybe we could hire him for the church boys. And he's going uh, as long as you. Well, we already have Satan, so I, I think say, we as long probably as you, do a better. Job. As long as you've got Satan doing your bumpers, I'm not so sure that I want to be involved. But anyway, <laughs> that's been right. fun. It has been fun. It's a good show, my friend. Uh, anything you need to tell the people out there before we get out? Um read how to get rich quick and every other Donald Trump book out there. <laughs> the art of the deal. That's the title I was looking for. The, the art of the deal. deal. I played the wrong end. <laughs> read the manual on how to use the soundboard field. Uh, and I would say, uh, you know, folks, have, have just a wonderful weekend. Oh, it's happy 4th of July. Oh, yeah, happy 4th of July. Well, I forgot about that. I gotta go get my gunpowder. Please. Are you a fireworks guy? Uh, we're not allowed to buy them in New York, so. Oh, really? Are you, yeah. allowed, to, are you allowed to sell them in New York? We go to Pennsylvania and we oh, get yeah. the. Uh. <laughs> the Church Boys. <laughs>